Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Saxa podcast, The First Five Years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez at Clemson University. Hi, everyone. This is Erica Aguiar coming at you actually from the University of Florida, but in my room today, Agassi, and so are you. I feel like we haven't recorded in our own spaces in a while. How are you doing, friend? We're doing good. Happy Wednesday. You know, happy hump day. You know, we're, we're halfway wow. there. We're almost into the weekend. Everybody loves a good hump day reference. What are you talking about? Actually, I just was talking to a friend, uh, and for context, she is not originally from the U.S., and she only recently learned that hump day was not like a sexual thing. Um, oh. And we had, she had never seen the camel commercial with like the happy hump day from Geico, I think it was Geico. So it was just a moment of, wait, because someone told her happy hump day, and she's like, wow, that's really inappropriate. And we're like, what? <laughs> She was like calling so, HR. <laughs> it was a coworker. She's like, "Wow, that's really inappropriate to be saying." Oh my gosh! It, so we were it like, "No, no, no!" Here's the here's the commercial. We have we have diverted very very early into this episode on quite a tangent, but <laughs> we are doing good, girl. We're doing good. I am. I am glad. Happy Wednesday. That's. I'm excited to be here with you, my friend. Happy day. My brain is off today. But everyone, welcome again to the first five years, our favorite little pod on the block. We are a podcast for new professionals, new graduate students, um, or anyone really interested in the beginning stages of higher education and just want to take a gander at what the experience is like. Want to take a little goose and gander at what student affairs is like. And we hope to bring you, Agassi, I realize I'm doing your part of the podcast. And I think this is fun today. We want to bring you timely topics based on the calendar and time of year, giving you a little bit of a public voice for graduate students and new professionals. So thanks for being with us today. And we're really excited today to have a very special guest, one of my favorite humans on the planet, Jillian Dinius. And Jillian is a connector of people, a lover of music, a keeper of plants, and a resource to humans. Her family, faith, and Philomacan heritage are her lifelines. And um, fun fact, she has not grown since the fifth grade, but she eats like she's six four. Give it up for Jillian. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Can I hype myself up? Yes. Please. We love <laughs> that here. Hype, hype, hype. Hype. Hey, all. Thanks for having me. Excited to spend this time with you and excited for the opportunity to shed some light on this topic today. And, and Agassi, what are we talking about today? What is our topic? Erica, that is such a good question. Today, we're going to continue on our journey of job searching, but we're specifically going to talk about what it's like to job search out of higher ed. Um, I know for some graduate students, you may try to be figuring out, you know, what if higher ed maybe isn't the trajectory I'm aiming for after this maybe higher ed based program? And how do some of those skills apply into other fields or other industries? Or maybe you're a new professional or current professional. And it's like, you know, maybe I need a little bit of a change. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, uh, specifically with Jillian, you know, what it's like to job search outside of higher ed. And I think this is one of those topics that feels a little taboo. And that's exactly why we wanted to talk about it. If you are someone who has left higher ed or has looked at jobs outside of higher ed, you are not a bad person. You are considering options. And I am very excited to talk about this. And hopefully for those of you listening, there's a little bit of stigma. Uh, before we get there, of course, everyone's favorite segment, or at least mine, Jillian, what's the best thing you ate this week? Wow, wow, wow. Okay, well, seeing as I introed myself, um, or you all introed me as someone who eats like they're 6'4", 
I guess I ate a lot this week, didn't I? The fav- my favorite thing, today's Wednesday, I had, this morning actually, my partner is a great cook and he texted me after he left and he said, hey, breakfast is in the fridge. And I go in the fridge and it's this wonderful, I know, it's this wonderful egg scramble with some peppers and onions and good spices and a sliced up avocado and some toast. And I just, it's its really the intention behind it, right? But it also tasted top notch. So. One of the 10 would recommend Eric. Wow. That is would so good. 10 out of 10 recommend him. A different one, maybe, probably, <laughs> yes. but would recommend him as, as a friend for sure. <laughs> I love that. Oh, Agassi, what about you? What's the best thing you ate? Okay, so unfortunately, this week has been a little busy, so we have relied on some takeout. Um, I know in previous episodes, I've talked about how proud we are that we've eaten (laughs) mostly uh, home-cooked meals. This is not one of those weeks. Uh, Last night, we did order from one of our favorite uh, Chinese restaurants and got some takeout. And specifically, I want to talk about their chicken on a stick. And you might be wondering, chicken on a stick? Hmm, I'm intrigued. It is chicken on a stick. It is teriyaki flavored, but it's probably one of the best things on the menu. It does not matter. What else we get from that restaurant? We will always order the chicken on a stick because it is incredible. I think they realized how incredible it was because they recently raised the price specifically on that item. So I guess a lot of people were taking advantage. Uh, but I was specifically named the teriyaki chicken on a stick as my favorite meal or component of uh, this week. I love that so much. I'm very hungry as we record. And I was going to eat a salad, but maybe I'll go find some chicken on a stick. Or the bed, but I'm not a very good cook. Um, the best thing I ate this week, last night, um, I was very tired. And so I asked slash demanded of my partner to bring me dinner in like a very nice way. And I gave, I said, I want something that's a salad. So I gave him three options and I said, surprise me. And he picked the right one, which was this place called Sweetberries. And I got chicken salad, which everyone here listening knows that that is my favorite thing in the world. And it was so good. It was so good. Just like a nice little chef's kiss, easy chicken salad. And it really made my day. I have a question. What if he picked the wrong salad, Erica? I might have been single. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Pressure. So if, wait, hold on. There was a right, hold on. I just need to interrogate this a little bit. So there was a, you gave him three options, but there was a quote unquote right option. We be knowing what we're doing. Can I just okay, say that? Yes. We know I, how to get our way. Um, you are not wrong, Agassi. I know what I did. <laughs> What's funny is that I constantly gave Carter options and then, <laughs> or there'll be like a last of something left in the food that we're splitting. I'm like, no, babe, you can have it. And he'll look at me and he goes, this is a test, isn't it? I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I, just go. He's like, I insist. Like, have the less egg roll. Have whatever it is that we're splitting. And then my favorite thing to do is, as he takes his first bite, you really ate it? Like, you really That's wrong. It? And then he's like, I knew this was a test. Like, no, I'm absolutely joking. I, but most of the times I am kidding. But sometimes I'm like, wow, you didn't even offer to split that thing? Wow. Oh my gosh. I know who I am. Uh, to Brian, I'm so sorry. I don't know that he listens to this. So actually, this will be a test, Brian, if you, um, when this episode comes out, if I don't hear you comment on this, I will know that you didn't listen and I won't do anything about it because I hate confrontation, but I'll be sassy about it. 
Oh, okay, I kind of I mean, want to low-key send him the link when this is posted just so he can get some points. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> I mean, see, Carter listens to most... Carter listens to most of the episodes because I normally will edit them next to him. So, and sometimes I forget that I talk about him on the episode and then I just look over and he's just laughing. Specifically, Aww. every time I'm like, oh yeah, Carter made something really good. And he's like, oh, and then I'll make fun of him. He's like, oh. <laughs> You're terrible people. Well, thanks everybody for sharing what their favorite thing of the week was for eating. Uh, that was a great conversation. We are going to once again bring back our producer, Miles Surrett, to talk to us or rather ask us a couple of would you rather questions. So Miles, welcome back to the pod. The floor is yours. Well, hello everyone. Uh, hope your weeks are going well. Um, I think I decided to start with a, a fairly straightforward one this morning, but I am interested in everybody's opinion on this because I think both of these things have real strengths and weaknesses. Um, if you could only drink either orange juice or milk for the rest of your life, this is the only beverage you can consume. Which one would you pick? Follow-up I... question. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Jillian. No, you go, Erica. I... I just want to know, are we considering Sunny D as orange juice or is that not included? <laughs> yeah, sure. that sounds good. Also, oh, follow-up okay. question. Are we, is it just whole milk? And if we are lactose intolerant or have some lactose problems, are we also living with the effects of that? It's a really good question. I think we could go with, I think we could go with a, a milk alternative, but that milk has to have like some sort of impact on your breath. I think that that's like, an <laughs> so it can't, it cannot, like that is a key part of milk's, you know, overall uh, effect. So. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. I've did never milk, heard that, that before. I don't know. I've also never heard anything about I've never heard milk. That. Miles, did you just tell on yourself? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really. The funny thing is, is Agassiz, I really only drink three things. I drink water, beer, beer, and sometimes milkshakes. Um, and so I don't drink either of these things because I, the weaknesses just outweigh the benefits, but for me personally, but y'all don't have this option here. Um, but if people who drink like those people, and I know there, there are some, my mother who does not listen to this, uh, drink like <laughs> milk every morning and she doesn't have bad breath. I'm not saying that, but if you drink a lot of, if you consume a lot of dairy, it definitely impacts your breath. That is a thing. I consume so much dairy because I eat so much cheese. Mm. but okay so miles just to be clear we're talking strictly milk like i can still have a nice mozzarella and that would not be counted <laughs> if i pick orange juice yeah you can still have dairy i'm just talking okay. about beverages things that you okay. were drinking and and just to clarify agassi because i i suspect you're going to ask um soup does not count you can still have a soup so it's a liquid but i know but these are these are beverages I feel like there's a backstory there, but I'm not going to ask. Um, I am ready to submit my answer to the to the group. I um, born and raised in Florida. You know, oranges all around. License plates have oranges. Um, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of oranges, but I I think I would I would choose a good medium pulpy orange juice if I if I had the choice between that and some bland milk. Thank you. Thank you for your submission. I think that was beautiful. Agassi, are you ready to answer? Because I think I need like 30 more seconds. I got you. I got you. Here we go. So also Florida guy. Um, also grew up with a lot of oranges. Uh, very good point. I would go the orange juice route. Uh, I would go with a high pulp 
I've always appreciated some pulp in the OJ uh, because I think it really brings down the acidity. Uh, if you've ever had McDonald's OJ, that thing can wake the dead very much like their Sprite that can almost power a car. Uh, I would put the OJ from McDonald's in that same general vein of like, um, like sustainable combustibles in a way, or like organic combustibles. If there's someone out there who's like an actual scientist, can you please provide some data that might back this up and or tell me that I'm absolutely far off? Thank you so much. That's my response. I appreciate that. Y'all, so I'm actually we... going to choose. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you rock the boat, Erica. Go ahead. I'm going to choose milk. And here's why. One, I like can't tell you the last time I drank orange juice except for Sunny D, but if I need to give it up, I can. Um, I sometimes have a little bit of heartburn. And so I need milk to help my, my sensitivities. And three, one of my favorite beverages is a nice little Bellini and a little, you know, mimosa moment, but I'll do that with some peach nectar, some mango nectar. I'm good. So I'm choosing dairy full send. I wonder um, if we play this out long-term, um, the effect of not having water, if you, you know, still get that same hydration from orange juice or milk, just saying maybe for uh, the actual scientists that's going to fact check us, maybe they can check on that too. So yeah, please great, and thank you. Question. Report back. Yeah. Great question, Miles. Thanks. Ooh. All right. Question number two. I don't think that you would have had to see either of these movies to understand the question. So um, so I'll explain it slightly. So would you rather um, transport your um, soul and existence into being a giant walking tree? Like they have a name in Lord of the Rings. So anybody who's a Lord of the Rings fan, I don't know what their name is. So I apologize. But the giant walking tree. So let's say that you're approximately 20 feet tall and you sometimes look like a tree, but you can also sort of pop up and then walk around as a tree. So you that's one option. The other option is that you could transport yourself into a character, not like a specific character, but you would become your own car from the movie, uh, from the Pixar movie Cars. So, you know, you are now um, in, a, a, you know, a Lightning McQueen style car. So those are your options. Which would you, which would you rather do? Okay, some follow-ups again. <laughs> do people know I am me when I am either a tree or a car, or do I just take, am I entering a different universe of other trees and cars, or yeah, do I vanish from the earth? Yeah, no, that's a really important question. I think you, let's, let's set the ground rules of your existing on this, you know, eternal plane as a tree or car. So now you're sort of entering your, you know, like regular life, but now you're either a 20-foot tall tree or a um, animatronic car. Wow, we're speechless here. Miles, who hurt you? Where are these coming from? <laughs> I am so thrown. All right, I'm just going to go with my gut answer here. Um, as a keeper of plants and a lover of growing green things, I feel like I have to say tree. Um, I also have a tree tattooed on my body, so I'm going to I'm going to go with tree. Final answer. I'm committing to Cars. It is one of my favorite Pixar films. It is also my favorite land at Disney California Adventure in Anaheim, California. And I just think it, I just think it'd be a lot of fun. I might have more friends that way. But there's not a lot of scientific reason to why I chose this answer. Not the like last one. It wasn't very good. I am so conflicted. 
And I will say that like, there's something so cool about being like a 20 foot towering tree, just walking around and looking at people that just really, really sounds right. But I do think I have to go the car route as well, because I do, I can't give up the possibility of possibly going, you know, like 90 down a highway uh, and like being the, the thing that is going the 90 miles an hour, not being in the thing. Um, I'm also just curious about what I would look like as a car. I'm really imagining that to like simulate the beer. I almost feel like a beard, not the beer. Wow. The beard I'd have like, like a black front bumper. Now I'm like really trying to imagine like what I would look wow. like if I were in the, the Pixar movie cars. Like would I have like, you know, like what's it uh, like wipers? Like would they be kind of thicker from like my thicker eyebrows? I think they would. Um, I, you know, with the horn. What like color my, car would you be? I think I'd be like a royal blue, like a deeper I was going to guess that. Okay. <laughs> I love a good okay. dark blue. Um, but yeah. Wow. That's my answer. Miles, next time, that, next time you ask this, I think the caveat should be that if you do choose cars, you have to be your first car. <laughs> because then Agassi Ooh, would be yes. Usnavi. No, Which- Usnavi was not my first, Erica. Yeah. Usnavi was not my first. My for for context, uh, the the car that that Eric is referencing, Usnavi, um, named after of course Usnavi from In the Heights, a big fan. Um, he was not my first car. My 2002 Honda Accord. My first car was a ni- I think a '96. It was a '96 uh, Mazda 626. Um, which eventually, a year into owning it, the transmission stopped working correctly, so it wouldn't go past 50 miles an hour. Um, and if anybody's been in Miami or driven in Miami, that is a general issue because that is like a minimum speed limit in a lot of places. Not actually, those are, that's actually against traffic laws, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would not be the Mazda 626. It was like this, like sandstorm color, but yeah. All good answers. Yes. Miles, thank you for these. Thank you, Miles. You Wait, did- do you have to answer your own question or no? Oh no, I I don't answer. Of course, um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> he gets out. He gets out of it. He gets to drop these like so, philosophical questions and then just leave. So chaos into the world and then step out. Um, Erica, to answer your question, um, as poor Agassi knows, I have many feelings about many children's movies. You can uh, check those out on my non-existent podcast, Dad Rants, where I uh, do deep dives on the immense plot holes in. Uh, various children's movies. I'll leave you with this. Is Sally from uh, Cars the most acute example of a manic pixie dream girl? I think yes. Okay, bye. And we're left with that. To throw the wrench in, I have never seen Cars. So, sorry. Life is a highway. I know that song. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, so thank you, Miles, for those. And thank you for everyone's answers. Um, so we're going to get started, Jillian, with, uh, you know, I think one of my the episodes I'm, that I've been most excited for, um, you left higher ed. You, you did that. I feel like we, we should. I did that. that. I left talk about it. higher ed. So you now work at a company called Sharp Spring. Um, tell us about that journey a little bit. Yes. So for context, I went to the University of Florida as an undergraduate student, go Gators, um, was not super involved in, you know, higher ed student affairs things. Um, I worked for five years. I worked at a high school and then I worked 
um, back at UF in the admissions office. And I was like, I love college students so much. So I went back to school, got my master's degree um, that cost money, as we know. Um, and then got a job after that, working um, in different offices, was in the career office at the last stint. And then for the past year, I have been working in human resources. I have been recruiting, I have been doing company culture things, and really it ended up happening because I was just very interested in that field. And so I um, had a lot of informational interviews. I asked people a lot of questions. I happened to be working with a lot of recruiters and talent acquisition professionals in my job at the Career Center. So I would do random calls with them and I'd say, what do you do? Why do you like it? Why do you hate it? Um, so it was in that kind of exploring opportunities and options that I was just kind of stepping through doors. And um, specifically with SharpSpring, I asked someone for coffee. I looked her up on LinkedIn and I saw that she was in this role and I said, hey, can we get coffee? She ended up bringing the hiring manager who's now my boss and it was, a, it was a coffee and a chat, definitely wasn't like an interview, but the week after um, I had a formal interview and then got an offer that same week. <laughs> so it was a quick journey, um, the transition, but it was, it was definitely the right one for me for a few reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that's kind of an overview of how it happened. And I love it. <laughs> so glad I could not find my unmute button. That was a journey. <laughs> like, where is it? Um, so thank you for sharing all that. And one of the things I'm most excited for is that I think you'll be pretty candid, um, especially as someone who has, who has done it. Um, there is some stigma though, like yeah. for, I, and I, I don't really know where it comes from, but there is a lot of, oh, you're leaving. Like, you know, I think part of it for me at least, and, and I definitely want to hear your thoughts. I'm an Agassi too, is we are told to be so committed to this field and that, you know, we're told the mantra, if you do this, you'll never work a day in your life and that you should do all this stuff for students and all this stuff, which, okay, yes, I love students. And I love what we do, um, but I think it's okay to like, look at other options. Um, so why do you think there's that stigma? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely felt that as I was telling people I was leaving or as I was exploring that option. And I think there's something about working in higher ed, specifically in any type of student serving function, where it it seems like there's a deeper meaning, like there's this there and there is right. You're making a you're making a lot of impact into um, people's lives in a very formative time of their lives, right? You take entire classes on that, um, and there's something fulfilling and satisfying about that. And I think maybe the stigma stigma comes from if you're not doing that, if you want to leave, it's because you don't care or it's because, you know, you don't have what it takes to continue to give and give and give because, you know, there are people who stay in those fields for their entire lives and do it well. And um, I think one of the issues is that you enter the field young um, and you don't know how to set good, I didn't know how to set good boundaries whether that was with student relationships, whether that, whether that was with coworker relationships. And um, it's a lot. I think also you have to be, what I felt was when I was in higher ed, I also had to be not only really giving and passionate 
to students I was serving, but then also really like politically savvy and very strategic in every conversation I had with the XYZ title and working my way up. Um, so I think the stigma is like when you leave that, it's almost like you're just giving up. It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess you didn't have what it takes. And again, no one said that to me. Nobody um, even, I think, indirectly kind of hinted at that. Um, but it's it's definitely there. And I think especially you get a master's, you do all these things. And if you choose to leave, it's like, oh, well, dang, well, do you know how to follow through? <laughs> like, do you have the, the discipline and the focus to stick with something? Um, so I think that's where it comes from. Um, honestly, though, I haven't, I felt it in the beginning. And then since then, I've, I've, it's been so freeing to talk about it, especially so. Yeah, and I really just want to, I, I think to shine a little bit more about what you're talking about, about that feeling of like, if you leave, it's almost the, the sense that folks get is like, you've given up, like you couldn't do it. Because I know, right. you know, even in you know, just reflecting and thinking about, okay, where's my life going to go? Like, do I see myself like 20 years down the line working in higher ed? Do I think it's going to look different? Am I going to be like higher ed adjacent? And, you know, not to say that I've made any specific decisions in my life about what my future looks like, because, you know, Erica knows this very well. I can barely plan out to the next week in my life. So let alone 20 years of my life. But, you know, I do, I do very much agree. I think with that general sense of like, you know, oh, you, you want to leave or oh, you can't hack it or you can't take it. Right. Um, especially, you know, the way that that blame almost is placed on the employee or the individual and not where they work or the system they work in. You know, it's almost like this idea of like, oh, you're the issue because you're bringing up the problem, not, oh, there's a problem that you're bringing up. Right. Um, because I know that I've talked to a lot of professionals who are amazing professionals, dedicated professionals who work hard, who know what they're doing, who care about what they do. And they work in some institutions that don't support them correctly. And they're like, I need to get out of here. And the idea is once again, oh, you, you know, not everybody can work in an institution like this. So it's okay if you can't like, and you have to get out rather than, wow, the institution is creating an environment in which folks don't want to contribute, don't want to work in, are thinking about leaving rather than how can we retain this talent for their, our institution which again, amazing professionals I've seen walk out of institutions because of that exact idea of, well, yes. yeah, you can't just, it's okay if you can't do it, you can look somewhere else. There's other, there's other folks. And there are just so many people coming out of graduate programs also that I also think there's just a sense in higher ed of like, well, I mean, in a lot of other companies, it's not specific to higher ed of like, well, we can just, we'll hire someone else. Like mm. it'll, we'll, 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 we'll push past, we'll move on. Um, anything to add to that, Erica? I, the only thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about was, you know, what, what I don't want to come to this conversation, which I, I don't think it is, is that we're telling everyone to leave higher ed. We're certainly not doing that. But I think we have to talk about why, why is this happening? And I don't know that we have all the answers, but your comment about boundaries, Jillian, I just wanted to like retweet. Bruh. Like, listen, because you are, okay. So like what really happens, you know, for many of us, we see a good student leader and we're like, you should do higher ed which I don't agree with because if you really love being an orientation leader or being an RA doing the like professional level of that is so not the same, <laughs> not the same <laughs> at all. One, I like, I, I think I have encouraged maybe two students to go into higher ed because I'm like, this is really what it is. If you want to impact some sort of change in a different way, maybe. 
but two, then we get them this master's degree. They get so excited, which I remember that. And this is not, you know, saying anything negative about getting your master's, but then you go and then you just, I mean, especially right now, if you are a new professional starting in COVID, oh my gosh, like the amount of work many of us at many institutions have been asked to keep up the same level of work with little rest. Um, my, my like RA friends or my housing friends, you are managing so much in a pandemic. And I just don't even know what to tell you. The real MVPs, golly. Yes, you are amazing. And why would I be shocked if you were like, I am drained. Um, And this is, this is not like, this is that I think many institutions that we just are like, if you don't, if you cared about your students, you would go the extra mile. And the last year has really taught me a whole lot about capitalism. And I strongly and vehemently disagree with that. I don't think I said vehemently. I don't, we, we gotcha. Y'all know this is not the first time I've messed that word up, but I just think that that is so important to talk about because I think higher ed more than anything, we really just want to make people work and say, well, you were helped, especially for our marginalized communities, for our first gen, for our students of color. You're like, you were helped. So you have to do this. Nope. Sorry. Like you don't, and it's okay to take breaks and you're just commentary on boundaries. I just like, I just want to snap and clap and like retweet because it's just so important. Yeah. And I think I appreciate you bringing that back up because I think what's so hard about not having boundaries, but executing your boundaries and implementing your boundaries in higher ed is that there is such an all-consuming nature to the work you do, right? Students, you know, they don't just need you nine to five your programs aren't just nine to five, your courses, your, they're not just nine to five. So if there isn't that um, establishing of boundaries before, it's, it's super hard to do that, especially because your supervisors and your teams probably don't even have that. So how are they gonna help you? And again, that's not just applying to higher ed, that's anywhere in your life, your friendships, your home life, all of that stuff. But um, I think higher ed and student affairs and, and specifically is such a young field. And so the amount of burnout that we see is, is high because there are young, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, just, I'm a little bit over 30, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm 26, but I'm just now at a point in my life where I'm like, okay, this is what I need to thrive. And if I am not getting that at work, I will advocate for myself. I will, um, you know, ask for that. And I think to go back to Agassiz's point, it's not just you're advocating for that to your boss. You are going up against a system, right? An institutionalized, um, an institution that has a lot of things, has a lot of issues, has, you know, and we know education moves a lot slower than most other industries. So um, anyway, I think that's another thing that contributes to like, you know, well, I'm tired of this because if I go to you and you tell me, okay, I got to go to XYZ all the way up and I don't hear back, then all right, I'm just going to go somewhere where I can get a response. Yeah. But yeah, I love boundaries. There's a really good book called Boundaries. I encourage everyone to read it. I didn't read it, but my partner read it. And so I feel like I read it, (laughs) but it's really good, apparently. Uh, This works, right? That's like the, once again, if there are any scientists out there, please uh, uh, support or discredit me completely. Thank you. 
Well, that, I think that's a good segue into like our next conversation as we're thinking about leaving higher ed or as folks are thinking about, you know, what could it look like for me to leave higher ed? What are some of the skills from your higher ed experience, you know, both working in admissions and of course going to a, a master's program that really helped you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think what, so I'm going to talk about specifics, but one of the things I wanted to say was my, the things that help me thrive, the the thing, the things that I'm passionate about always have to do with connecting people to other people, to resources, to um, support that they need to live their best lives, to actualize their potential. So for a time, my why was applied to college students, right? So I wanted to help college students connect with people, connect with resources, X, Y, Z. So as I've grown, that's kind of been the common thread that has taken me to different opportunities. So now my why is just in a different context. So I say all that to say, all of the skills that I learned and used when I was a student affairs professional, and and just to break it down, I worked, I did advising for a little bit, I did orientation, I did first year experience, admissions, obviously, and then career. So it was almost like from, you know, the high school to college pipeline, and then from college to a job. So that's a cool thread that I have. But um, it's interesting for, for, for you to think of your why and see how that applies to the population you're serving. So in terms of skills, I mean, one of the ones that I... <laughs> took for granted, I think, is, so y'all know when you have to like make a presentation or you have to submit some type of proposal for an idea, you got to go deep into like, what are the learning outcomes? Where is the money coming from? What theories back the need for this? In my experience, um, so, and and again, to give context, I work at a medium-sized for Gainesville tech company, we build a digital marketing platform to help companies automize and, and automate and customize their digital marketing. So it's innovative, right? It's fast moving. We don't have time to think, talk about, meet about an idea or an activity. It's where's the need, let's do it. But I have found that if I am able to, you know, advocate for why we're doing something, it gets me 10 steps uh, further along than if I just say we need to do this. So that's something that I think is a really, really good skill that I took for granted. I always rolled my eyes, um, to be honest, but that's a good skill. Um, Anything that has to do with uh, like connecting people. So I think about orientation and and new students and first year experience, anything that you can do that helps you communicate empathy and build empathy, I think is a huge skill that has um, helped me in my role. And my role is, again, recruiting, um, talent acquisition, employee engagement, and kind of culture initiatives. Um, So networking, anything that has to do, like literally anything that has to do with, I get, I get praise all the time about how I'm like, I'm so energetic. And when I come into the room, it's, and I'm like, bro, have you ever met a student affairs professional? Like we are all like that for the most part, right? Some of us, like it takes a lot more, especially in this time to like bring that out. But um, anywhere where you kind of build the energy in the room and, and capture that, I think is a huge 
skill that that has really helped me in my role. Um, and then I've been surprised by how much um, in higher ed, for better or for worse, we have to think about diversity, equity, and, equity and inclusion all the time, right? Especially when we're dealing with students and um, it's, it's, and I say for better or for worse, because I think sometimes it's talked about just as like, okay, we have to checkbox this, like, let's talk about this. Um, but that's something that's, you know, it's not normal outside of higher ed. Um, in the corporate arena, if you're not in the DNI space, it's, I mean, I'm not saying people don't think about it or don't care about it, but it's, it's not as talked about as it, as it was um, in student affairs circles, if that makes sense. So that's something else that I'm like, obviously, well, not obviously for those of you, you're not watching, but I am a woman of color. So when I said Philomacan, I am half Filipino, half Jamaican. I am a black woman. I am an Asian woman. It's come, it's, it's been a long journey to identify confidently as those things. Um, but obviously me coming into a space, I, I kind of bring that mindset already. But even outside of that, I think coming from higher ed, I am leaned upon and called upon to give insight into um, how that process of development can affect people and, and things like that. So those are some of the things off the top of my head that have helped me. So any people skills, bruh, people skills, people skills, um, and balancing a lot because you're balancing a lot in higher ed. And so in my role now, I'm always at some at some moment talking to like five different hiring managers and 30 different candidates about 12 different jobs as well as you know organizing a welcome committee for our new hires so it almost when I talk about it it could almost sound like I'm still working in higher ed with just different titles um so hope that thank answers thank you yeah no that's like that's so helpful. And I think um, sort of along the same vein, if I could ask this super briefly, because I think you're on a good roll. Any advice for students or for folks who are doing this, who like are maybe seeing that first job description and are a little excited? Like, what do you think? Yes. So stay excited. I think that was the first thing I saw. I think I read a job description and I thought that they had interviewed me because I'm like, did you, is this my diary? Like, did you read my journal? Cause this job description sounds like me because it's true. Like you see this and you're like, oh my gosh, like I could do that. Um, so I think, you know, the hesitation is all my experience is in higher ed. All of my titles are assistant director, this program coordinator, that, and those don't translate well. And when I say they don't translate well, if I have never been in higher ed and I read that you're the assistant director of campus relations or new student programs, I don't really know what that means. So my advice is, is twofold. Um, if, you, if you can't tell those of you listening, I'm super casual, I'm not very formal. Um, the corporate world is a lot less formal than higher ed. So, you know, Cover letters are important, but if you can communicate who you are and why you are passionate about XYZ position or job or industry, the better. So um, I think my like 
abstract advice is to be yourself, which I roll my eyes when I say that because I'm like, what does that even mean? Um, don't freak out. Like, try to not, especially when you're looking at your resume, like, don't um, feel the need to completely hide or completely rearrange what you did. Um, obviously, your resume is getting you in the door. Get it looked at by people. Um, but more than that, I encourage you to reach out to professionals. If you see a job that's posted on LinkedIn, see who either posted that job, see who's connected at that company, and do a cold reach out. I get reached out to a lot on LinkedIn, one for people who are interested in working with us, but then two, just people who want to talk about what it's like to be a talent acquisition professional, HR professional. So don't be afraid to do cold reach outs. Um, don't be afraid to not apply for a job, but say you are interested, but you want to know more about it. That's definitely um, welcomed. Um, and I would uh, breathe. I think, you know, anyone that's thinking of switching careers or switching industries, um, that's a big deal, right? It's, it's a big transition. Um, but don't think that it's the end all be all. So if you are searching for meaning and purpose and you, you are trying to find it in your job, you may or may not find that. So really check your motivations. Obviously, that's kind of deep. But, um, but then also, as you're thinking about that, do your diligence to work on those boundaries. Because I guarantee you, if you are looking to have a slower paced life or you're looking for more fulfillment or less drama, it's the same out here, baby girl. Like you need, you need boundaries regardless. Um, and also one, one last thing, if you are looking to leave higher ed, it, the reverse is not impossible. So even me now, because I have higher ed experience, now I'm here, I have a whole bunch of other skills. Higher ed people, higher ed um, student affairs departments, they want people from the outside too. So don't ever think that you can't always go back. Obviously there's another conversation with that and there might be stigma with that, but um, it's not the end of the world either way. Um, but it's definitely been an eye-opening and exciting experience and journey for me thus far. Jillian, thank you for sharing all of that. And I just wanna add one quick thing. If you are listening to this and you are like, people should not be leaving higher ed or you have any feelings about this, I just want you to spend a little time reflecting on the environment that you are setting up for your employees and the environment that your division is fostering. And if you are not prioritizing self-care and, and when I say self-care, I don't mean giving people a day off so that when they come back, they have double the work. I, I just, if we want to fix higher ed, there is work to be done. There is priorities that we can really put in place um, so if you find yourself a little frustrated with this episode, I want you to take that and I want you to do something with it because we can make change, but if we just keep saying people shouldn't leave higher ed, I don't know what we're expecting is going to change. And I will step down from my soapbox. Y'all didn't see me do a little, do a little body roll to get down, but I feel very strongly about this. So, yeah. And I will say your supervisor has a big, a big impact on that. So, um, I'm not saying that I left my supervisor, not saying I left my manager, but um, if you don't feel safe, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, talking about this with them, um, just like Erica said, I would encourage you just to reflect and, and spend some time doing some introspective thought. 
and journal a little bit. Yes. Thanks so much, Jillian. You've been a joy, an honor, a privilege. It's been so fun. All of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see where this goes, where this podcast goes. For those of you listening, this has been great. So excited that we were able to have this conversation. I welcome and um, am looking forward to seeing you all connect with me. If you if you like to continue the conversation, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my first name and last name, Jillian Dinius. Also, um, that's also my Venmo name with a dash in the middle. So if you want to do that, you can. Um, but yes, please reach out. Would love to have the conversation. Would love to dialogue about it. Um, I would love to look over your resume, like literally any way that I can support you all um, in your journey. I would love to be there. Take her up on it. Please, please. Uh, no one ever no, does. Right. It's like you say, and then no one does anything with it. It's so mean. So mean. So are we talking about get... the reaching out on Venmo or are we talking about both, the reaching both, out both, on both, 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 oh, both, both, both. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Jillian, we had Bianca Quinones on here a while ago and she dropped her Venmo yeah. too. And she was like, I just gave you some knowledge. Pay me for my, my work. Oh my God. She Honestly, did do though, that. she did. I forgot about that. Listen, when you start <laughs> thinking about all of the insight, you start dishing out and you're like, People literally get, that's the other thing too. I know we're, we're over, over time and, and not on this conversation anymore, but outside of higher ed, y'all, the talents and the skills that you have built in that place, people, people will pay double, triple what you're Money. Making. So take that for what it's worth. Money isn't everything, um, but it's something to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seeing double, making triple. Am I right? Hey. <laughs> so, so thank you everybody for tuning in for another wonderful episode of the first five years, of course, presented by Saxo. Thanks as always to Miles Surrett and uh, Agassi for producing slash editing our episodes. If you want to know more about Saxa, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, they are available on all the things. So facebook.com backslash Saxa fan page. Twitter at Saxa Tweets and Instagram at Saxa Rams. You can find me at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's A-G-U-I-A-R. And Agassiz, where are you at? You can find me on Twitter at Agassiz underscore R. That's A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Jillian, you've been a sweet little angel treat. And tune in. Tune in next time for an episode whose topic I don't remember. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.